Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. I, I remember being on the dance floor at a nightclub here in New Orleans called 4141 back in the 80s. I think it was 1983. This song was on. My wife and I were, were dancing. 4141, one of the popular nightclubs back in the, in the 80s. And it occurred to me that, you know, people were dancing again. There was this period from disco dying off to the danceable music of the 80s, like, like this song, and people were not dancing in this, this gap in between disco and the music that we refer to as the music of the 80s. And it, so it occurred to me on the dance floor, dancing with my wife, that it's like, wait a minute, people are dancing again. And this 80s music, this British invasion music from the 80s, has got people dancing. And there were so many great songs. I mean, to this day, there are 80s nights everywhere around the country. Uh, Shane Love is a, a, a DJ who does a great job with 80s nights uh, every, every Thursday night. But there are 80s nights all, all over the country, and it is the result of, of, of people, even younger generations, adopting the music of the 80s as their own. It was a fun time, and most of the music was, was very up. Uh, we look back, and you know there were some things that were pending that ended up not being so great about the 80s. But at the time, man, the 80s were sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And you know, younger baby boomers, like myself, um, you know, we had hit a point in our lives when Man, we were kicking it. And I, I, I've said many times that I'm, I'm lucky to be alive. But those were crazy, crazy years. I was on B97 at the time doing the morning show. And life was, was wild. So on this day in 1984, Boy George and Annie Lennox, two very androgynous figures from the, the, 19, uh, the 1980s, Boy George and Annie Lennox, appeared on the cover of Newsweek magazine under the headline, Britain Rocks America Again. And this was all about the new British invasion 20 years after the original one. First, it was the Beatles and the Stones and the Who, and then it was Culture Club, the Eurythmics, Duran Duran, Human League, and all of those, those bands from the, the 80s. And it was, uh, it was about this new British invasion of, of music. The new wave music is how it was uh, referred to. was part of this Newsweek story, which uh, talked about the outlandish looks and the sardonic sounds of the uh, performers. And <laughs> they said that uh, Boy George, people are trying to figure out Boy George, explaining how he looks like a gender-bending mashup of thrift stores and punk rock. And that's kind of what he looked like. In fact, remember the early years of Madonna? She kind of looked like a thrift shop, uh, thrift shop punk rock. You know, I, I love those early years of Madonna when she kind of had that just um, that, that, that frumpy look. But it was all about the, uh, the British invasion uh, back then. And uh, I, I just, you know, I mean, life was, was crazy. And for those of you excess millennials, especially Zoomers, who have no reference to that, let me tell you, baby boomers had gone wild in the mid-'80s. There were... There were happy hours, like starting Wednesday, there were happy hours every night. 
Well, not every night because you get into the weekend, but they were every Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you could find a happy hour somewhere. And I was doing the morning show on B97, and I, I remember times, and I'm not proud of this, but it's true. I remember times that I, I would go out to a happy hour, and I would end up, you know, go, you know, going out. I would end up going right to the station the next day because I had to be there early. I, I, I was on my way home, and wait, wait a minute, I guess I better just go to the station. I mean, again, I'm very lucky to be alive, but that was, you know, crazy, craziness, and and and. You know, cocaine was 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 big, and um, yeah, I mean, I experimented with that a little bit, like a lot of people did back in uh, in the '80s. But uh, the '80s were, you know, just a, a wild a wild time, and the music is still celebrated to to this day. But it's interesting on this day in 1984, uh, there was um, obviously it, it was obvious that there was a new British invasion. That was that was happening. All right, so let's get the results of the Tuesday text off. The song was "Don't Be Cruel." Song A was the original by Elvis. Song B was the cover by Cheap Trick. Today is Robin Zander of Cheap Trick's seventy-first uh, birthday, and the last time I saw Cheap Trick and last time I talked to them, Robin Zander looks great, and he can still hit the high notes. And I remind you that Cheap Trick is coming to Family Graw. And that's going to be in uh, in Metairie, Family Graw, February the the second, third, and fourth, and Cheap Trick is is part of that, and it's going to be great to see them. So uh, Cheap Trick had this song in 1988. This was the big loser today. You know, Cheap Trick was 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 really good. I mean, they didn't need to do this song. This is not the best Cheap Trick song. They had some of their originals that were just were, were great. Anyway, so this was song B. This was the big loser. And, and here's the winner from 1956, Elvis Presley. And don't be cruel. This is classic rock and roll. Slaps. Had the guys in the background. Bop, 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 bop. <laughs> <laughs> All right, if you're just tuning in, earlier today I made a comment. I was talking about the uh, the blog that I had written for our website, www.com, which is uh, still trending there on, the, on the front page, I think. It's also on the Scoot on the Air Facebook page. You can comment on it there. It's about the, uh, the, the Travis Kelsey, a Taylor Swift love story. Is it sweet or is it sickening? And what I point out is that it's, it's, it's part of, of, of humanizing players, it's part of a human story that's part of the NFL. And I, I just I, I bring out all of the ways that, you know, the NFL is always trying to to humanize the players and, and certain players um, have overcome challenges and different things in their lives that um, it ends up being a compelling story. And so you, you see the human side of it. That's what this Taylor Swift, uh, Travis Kelsey thing is. When a, when a player scores a touchdown and then puts his hands in the form of a heart and then uh, gestures it up to his his love, Taylor Swift, in the suite. I mean, that's very human. Somebody brought up that Tony Romo, and I do remember this, had dated Jessica Simpson. And I, you know, I was never a, a fan of Jessica Simpson, and I, I, I guess it's because so many people are gaga over her that I just mentioned something about how, you know, I was just never crazy about Jessica Simpson. Never thought she was really that um, that sexy. I mean anatomically she's got a nice body but i don't know it just she just i don't i just wasn't attracted to her the way many people are then we had a quick text off 
Jessica Simpson or Taylor Swift? Who's sexier? Jessica Simpson slammed Taylor Swift in that text off. Huge response to that. In fact, we're still getting some some emails, I mean, some text messages on that. Let's go to Ian Hook right now with a few of your texts. Yeah, sure. Hang on a second. I just came out of the uh, text off there. Uh, a lot of people are texting about music, too. I'll start here. Tell Scoot, don't even speak about 80s dance music if we're not having an 80s party anytime soon. <laughs> Why do that to us? It's like having a beautiful girl walk around your house in laundry, and then she says, I'm not in the mood. I know. You're teasing them, Scoot. Like that's ever happened. Hey, listen, but here's the thing about the, the <laughs> 80s night. I, we're we're going to have an 80s night. I, I mean, I give you my word, we're going to have an 80s night. And it's going to be as soon as possible. But, you know, we've got so much going on here. It's holidays, and then it's New Year's, and then it's Mardi Gras, and then it's French Quarter Fest, and then it's Jazz Fest. If we can find a date, and I'm working with some people, if we can find a date somewhere in between there in the spring, we're going to do it. If we have to wait until summer, we'll wait until summer. But we're going to have another 80s night because the first one we had was unblanken believable So we'll have another one. Uh, here's a text that says it must be a really slow day on the radio. Both are extremely attractive. And if either put the put the persuader on you, I think you'd agree. Is that a thing we're saying now? I don't know. You going to put the persuader on me. I don't know. I mean, I know you're not. I don't think. But look, is that what that know, is? When you talk about it's not a slow day on the radio. It's a, no, it's you, a you very fast us, day. On the I mean, radio. you want us, I mean, you know, it's interesting that we bring up something so simple as as uh, Jessica Simpson and Taylor Swift. And these are the things that we do on this show, which is why I, I, I love doing this show. Yeah, we get into politics, but we also get into pop culture. And sometimes, look, the radio, a radio show is designed to entertain you. And we inform you in a lot of ways, but we also try to just entertain you. And if, if we can help you through your day by being entertaining, then, you know, we're going to do that. So something as simple as Jessica Simpson or Taylor Swift, who is sexier? I mean, the response to that was unbelievable, which tells me the audience is um, just kind of burnt out on some of the deep political issues, and it's time to offer them something else. So that's why we, we do those things. I think it may be also time for us to consider that possibly people are burning out on Taylor Swift. Here's a text that says, as soon as you mentioned Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, I changed the stations. I haven't watched a Chiefs game since this nonsense started. It's sickening and overwhelming. That's okay, but I mean, that's that's a person who does not represent a lot of other people, and there are a lot of people who are interested in it, and so we talk about it. Somebody offered me, uh, the other day, offered me $20 to stop talking about Taylor Swift, and I said it's going to take a lot more than that. Hey. Because people are, are, you know, people don't want to admit it, but a lot of people are interested, but it doesn't mean everybody is. And if it's not for you, that is okay. You know, you, you can find a... a, a dead serious talk show that's into deep 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 issues we try to provide an alternative to that from one to four in the afternoon here on wwl i got venmo i got paypal i got cash app i got zelle i scoot really is driving the car when it comes to picking out the topics but if you want me to you know put my thumb on the scale you know my dms are open guys that's all i'm saying <laughs> uh and i'll leave you with this one swift versus simpson text off is wrong there's too many maga who listen and hate that she hates them. That well, that's true, and that that and that that probably had a lot to do with the, with the voting. There I are, don't know. There well, maybe not, but I I know that there are people who are bashing Taylor Swift. They instinctively bash Taylor Swift because she's not a conservative, and she started out in country music, and in the very beginning of Taylor Swift's um, early career, 
there were people on the right who thought she was the perfect Aryan representative. Blonde hair, light eyes, Mm -hmm. and they thought she was like Miss Aryan Nation. And they related her to being a Nazi. And she, of course, rejected that. But when she came out and, and started to be political and then sided with the left over the right, man, people were pissed. I, th- I mean, that's I definitely remember that the same way you do. But I don't think it's right to say that Taylor Swift hates MAGA people or hates Trump supporters. I th- I'll, you know, all, it's, what she did was pretty innocuous. She just said, hey, my moral compass, my my value set will not allow me to yeah. vote for Donald Trump, will not allow me to vote right. for whichever person was running for Senate in Tennessee at the time. That's all she said. She didn't say, you know, you shouldn't you shouldn't vote that way or you're a bad person if you vote that way. She says, here's what I think about it. Here's how you get registered to vote. But do your thing. Considering her original image when she did not bond with with Trump, that was essentially they interpreted as she hates us. It's a personal attack. Yeah. Yeah. We know that. All right. Let's go to Bay St. Louis. And uh, John, you're on WWL. Hey, John. Good afternoon. Good. First time caller, baby. Love the show. Love the show. Love the show. First time caller, man. First of all, if you're a first time caller, we're going to give you some extra treatment here, John. All right. So you've been listening all these years. You call in today for the first time. What has you calling in? The 80s music. I was up at LSU. I had a TR6. I had to oh, come down. Man. I had a six-pack in the back. I go <laughs> down the river road. I have a little sweetheart next to me, a little Jeffrey Osborne. We're going all the way. Now, when, I, when Shannon came on, and I, the Brits were good, but when Shannon came on, would let the music play, have Ian load that up, cue that up, and play the so, first so five, cue, what, what is it? What is it? Shannon. Cue it up. Shannon, Shannon let the music play. That was unbelievable. Yeah. Look, man, there were some really great times. John, I appreciate the call. Yeah, I mean, look, this is the day. Oh, in the, yeah. Just tuning in. On this day in 1984, Boy George and Annie Lennox, two very androgynous 80s artists, they were on the cover of Newsweek magazine with a story about a new British invasion, 20 years after the original British invasion. And it was a British invasion of, of the music of, of, the, of the 80s. And this was 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 part of all that. Of course, I don't think Shannon was 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 British, um, but this was one of the big uh, songs of the '80s. And I mean, look, a, a lot of us have really, really, really fond memories of the '80s because it was a, it was an awesome time. And you know, Reagan was president for much of the '80s, and people were, generally speaking, people were doing well. And the baby boomer generation had really transformed collectively as a generation, had transformed from the liberal generation of the 60s to a more conservative generation that supported Ronald Reagan. So it was a very interesting time. I'm Scoot, and we'll be back on WWL. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. This is one of the bands that really did personify the music of the 80s, and they were from the UK, part of the new British invasion in the 80s, Duran Duran. And I, I've told the story about going to the uh, Duran Duran concert at the LSU Assembly Center in Baton Rouge, 1984. Um, it, was a, it was the first U.S. tour, 
And I was just fascinated to witness a band that was kind of born on MTV and how they would satisfy an audience of mainly young girls and me, uh, mainly young girls in the audience, (laughs) (laughs) that they were used to seeing them in close-ups from the videos. That was the first time I ever saw a band use big, giant video monitors in the studio, in the in the concert hall. So everybody saw the close-ups of the guys, and whenever they showed a close-up of any one of them, the girls just just screamed. And I remember having a, a conversation with um, with one of the uh, one of the members of Duran Duran. And I said, yeah, I was at that concert in 84. He said, oh, you were the guy who was there. Yeah, because it was mostly, uh, it was mostly young, young females. But I was, I was just fascinated to, to, to see that. And that was, again, that was a part of the 80s. And MTV was all, all part of that. If you want to join us with a comment, the Open Heart Jewelers talk and text line is 504-260-1870. So we're talking about the second British invasion, uh, the music of the 80s. A lot of it came from the UK. But the first uh, British invasion is on the SOTA Rock Culture calendar for today. There was a female artist on this day in 1965. Her song became number one in America, and she was the first female artist from the UK to have a number one hit in America. We're going to play that song for you going into this next break. All right, let's go to uh, Andy, who is uptown. Andy, welcome to the show. Good afternoon. Well across a foggy bridge so if all the boy it is it is foggy i I, okay right now from my studio window i cannot see the crescent city connection fog has rolled in and i'm on the middle of it right now and there's a there's a lot of fog up here so uh anyway i'm a graduate from 1987 but my music experience was uh, a little different because it came from uh bands called like mid i was in chicago so we had a whole different scene so there was ministry and the Thompson Twins and the Talking Heads and right. seeing live shows in downtown Chicago, very different than the top 90, you, know, you were the B-97. Right, because, the, because there was a dark side of the 80s. You know, there was, there was dark oh, yeah. 80s. And, and, and sometimes uh, Shane Love and other DJs, sometimes uh, places will have a dark 80s night. And it, the Smiths and Morrissey and Depeche Mode and The Cure. But then that was that was the scene I was in. Although I will say, Morrissey. If anyone knows who Morrissey is now, look him up. He ended up becoming uh, a very right wing radical person. <laughs> I believe he's more. I think he's more along the lines of Henry Rollins than anything else now. Well, Morrissey was just his music. It, it indicate it, it sounded like he was so miserable in life that you hear a Morrissey song, you don't know whether to dance or slit your wrist. Yeah, I know. It's it's really sad. It's, it's a very sad thing, but. The one thing I did want to point out is thank you for bringing up the Taylor Swift stuff because it does upset them so badly. And it's funny seeing how everyone is just all of a sudden blowing up against her. And the people are actually rooting against the Kansas City Chiefs don't want anything to do with the Super Bowl if she has anything to do with it. I know. It's another another bad reminder of just how divided we are. You can't – for anyone who doesn't recognize it, the last, the first time it happened in the United States was with with Andrew Jackson, and there was Jacksonians and these Whigs, and they, at the time they used to be uh, the Democratic Republicans, you know. But this was the first time you had a party switch and a third party, and that's what maggots become. It is either you are for them or against them, and they hate yeah. you or they love you. There's nothing in between. Andy, I think that's a good point, and it it just it just points out how personal politics has become. I mean, you would you'd pull against a team that you might ordinarily like, but you're suddenly against them because 
one of the players is in love with Taylor Swift, who has uh, endorsed Democrats for for office. Yeah, it's it's pretty, it's pretty, it's it, it's par for the course. But you know, it will be over soon. It'll all be twenty twenty four. Is you know, they they're they're going to have to. They keep running further and further to the right, and they're eventually going to get stuck at Custard's last stand. <laughs> all of MAGA's in one hill. And it's going to end. Well, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this, uh, this this plays out, because there's definitely an attempt to overtake the Republican Party by right-wing radicals. And they've done it. <laughs> we'll, we'll find out tonight. New Hampshire will be the will be the last thing, Haley's last stand, possibly, or democracy's last stand, however you want to look at it. Well, I'm, I'm going to be. Uh, I'm going to try to be optimistic. Andy, listen, I loved our conversation. Uh, glad you called the show. If uh, you want to join us, the Okinawa Jewelers Talking Text Line is 504-260-1870, and Ian has some text for us. Here's a text that says, Scoot, I was at the Duran Duran concert. Uh, just a guy that knew that girls would be there. <laughs> Well, I was married at the time, so I wasn't looking for I was for, married for, at the time. Girls. Yeah, okay. I was married. So, I, I, But I, I wanted to go see the, uh, the the phenomenon, but that was a great place to meet girls. Uh, here's a text that says, uh, in regard to the 80s, I'm a late boomer, and we refer to that chapter of our lives as the bright lights, big city days, e.g. the Michael J. Fox movie, Richard. I don't remember that What movie. is this person talking about? What is Richard, Richard with Michael J. Fox? That's, I don't know about uh, that movie. I mean, there was a movie. There, there was a movie with Michael J. Fox that was a, you know, big lights something. Bright lights, big city. Maybe he played Richard. Oh yeah, that's probably it. Well, great. Okay. Now I'm just getting results about Michael Richards, who played Kramer. Uh, Bright lights, big city. Yeah, 1988 film with Michael J. Fox, Keeper Sutherland, a disillusioned young writer living in New York City turns to drugs and drinking to block out the memories of his dead mother and estranged wife. Wow, sounds well, cheery. That's a happy movie. Well, yeah. That's a happy movie. Hey, babe, you want to come over and watch Netflix and chill? I got something you're going to love. <laughs> uh, you're going to love it. No, 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 it's Michael J. Fox. Yeah, it's, it's just like uh, Back to the Future. You're going to love it. <laughs> um, let's see. I know I had another one pulled up here. Where'd it go? Oh, shoot. Oh, now I got too many windows open. Uh, okay. Uh, the first album... Oh, this is James on the North Shore again. The first album I ever bought was from Kasha Gogo. Can't spell it. Just Kasha Gogo. Kasha, <laughs> Kasha... Wow, yeah. Kasha Gogo. That is... Uh, how do you... It's K-A-J-A. Kasha Gogo. That's how they pronounced it. But you say shh. You're making that shh sound, but it's a J, isn't it? Kasha Gogo. Well, look, you know, sometimes in other... I know sometimes in different languages, and I don't even know what language that is, but I know they what pronounce the it... They, they yeah, had yeah, yeah. that song, Too Shy. Hush, hush. Hush, I hush. I, too I, shy. I, yeah. Lamal was the lead singer, and Lamal hush, also hush. did that song, Never Ending Story. Oh, that's right. He was the lead singer of Kasha Gogo. Oh, had we crazy talked hair. about this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it. All right. If you want to join us, the Open Heart Jewelers talk and text line 504-260-1870. I will remind you of this. If you um, if you have stories and memories of the 80s, it means you live through it because not everybody did. All right. So on this day in 1984, on the cover of Newsweek magazine, Boy George and Annie Lennox were the cover picture for a story about the new British invasion. The second one, 20 years after the original British invasion. The original British invasion on this day in 1965 had the first female singer from the UK have a number one hit in America. Hit number one on this day in 1965, and she became the first British singer during the original British invasion to have a number one hit. It's Patilda Clark. And in that episode of Seinfeld, uh, this is what he used as 
uh, a hint of where to go. You know, you can always go downtown. He's looking for a clue of what uh, his boss wanted him to do. But I, you know, I, Petula Clark. I mean, she didn't dance. And back in the in the in the in the sixties, these people would appear on television. And they really wouldn't dance. They would just kind of sway a little bit. And I remember Petula Clark. She would like just kind of snap her fingers when she when she sang, and nothing elaborate on stage. Just just singing. I'm Scoot, and we'll be back on WWL. This is Kaja Gugu from the eighties. Remember this. One hit wonders, but the lead singer Lamal went on to do the uh, the theme for the movie A Never Ending Story, which is a, a great song. In fact, that song is uh, is part of Dark Eighties Nights. You know, when like Shane Love or others do Dark Eighties Nights, they'll uh, they'll play that. Let's go to uh, Metairie and Allison. You're on WWL. Good afternoon. Hey, Scoot. How you guys doing? Good. Good. Uh, so I'm in the truck and I'm listening to y'all show. Y'all, your show's great. Uh, so. You brought back a memory of mine in the 80s. Uh, I went to see Eurythmics at McAllister's Auditorium at Tulane. Yeah, And yeah. for the life of me, I can't remember the year that that, that was. But uh, those those were I, – I lived in New York for 29 years, and I came back to take care of my mother. And I, I tell new, new, my New York friends that being in New Orleans – I lived in the quarter in the '80s. Was the best best time. It was because it was, it was crazy when you got to see. Yeah, it was crazy because back then when you went to Tulane to see, uh, you know, I went to see the Rhythmics. It was considered an underground band. Yes, and I mean, uh, you know, there's only like 300 people there at the auditorium, and it was just like. You know, and those those were the good days, and you could see a good concert. And yeah, I mean, really those were those were good days. I mean, the the Eurythmics turned out being uh, more mass appeal, but they uh, started out as uh, a band that had sort of a uh, sort of a cult following. Yeah, exactly. All and, right, uh, Allison. Of course, Dave went on, but you know, thanks for the memory. I was sure. listening to the show, and you guys have a great, great, great show. Me I listen too. to it every day. All right, thank you, Allison, so. and thanks for uh, thanks for sharing your story. Let's go to John in Slidell. Hey, John. Hey, Scoot, I just wanted to give a little bit of a different perspective from that caller about Taylor Swift and politics. I don't think it has anything to do with politics, to be honest. Most of my friends, men, women, and liberals and moderates, because, I mean, I don't have a lot of MAGA friends, to be honest, but we're getting sick and tired of just seeing Taylor Swift on the TV every time uh, Kelsey catches a pass. It's like they don't show his mom or his you know, his brother, or, I mean, they showed his brother the other night because he wasn't playing, but well, it has they, nothing to do. In fact, some of these people like Taylor Swift, acknowledge her talent, think she's a wonderful singer, but why should they show her every time he catches a pass? She didn't help him develop his football skills. No, it's true, but as I point out in the blog that's on our website and on my Facebook page, it's, it's part of the the human interest aspect of, of football it's 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 uh it's humanity and, it's not but it, well, no, it, well it is I'm it doesn't my argument is this my argument is that avid football fans want to see football but but john you're not missing any football if they don't show taylor swift they're showing some bozo in the stands with face paint on you're not missing any who of the game. Who are football fans who add to the but you're not missing. You're not missing any of the game. No, I know we're not missing it, but it's not. It doesn't. It doesn't have anything to do with football. Is my point. Well, it's and in the same the way. Purest, the purest football fans are like, wait a minute. 
Show me a highlight. Show well, me the fans. Okay. Show me the people in the stands high-fiving and getting excited over the play itself. But there, what, which do you think is bigger, John? Which do you think is bigger, the purest NFL fans or the NFL fans that are making the NFL as popular as it is today? It's the general mass appeal NFL fans. And as I have also mentioned, think about the, the pregame shows when they go into detail to talk about a player overcoming some challenge. They're trying to humanize a player to make him part of the story, part to make his story about, part of the that, game. That I agree. I agree 100 percent with that. And I love it. If we, everybody loves the human aspect. We all want to see these guys do well. Yeah, we want to see big hits, but we don't want to see life-ending or right. career-ending injuries. I understand, but the, the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey thing, it's going gonna, it's gonna to run out. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen when the season's over because, you know, it's, 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 it's going to be over. So I understand that, you know, some people get frustrated with that. But it really is no different than humanizing the players. And it's a, this guy who's in love with the, the, the arguably the biggest artist in the world. And so she's there at the game. And in terms of human interest, uh, they're going to they're going to show her. You got time for a quick text? I'm going to be fast here. Uh, we were talking a little bit about uh, Petula Clark downtown. Somebody texted in and said the cold downtown rocks. I did some quick Googling and I okay. discovered some footage from a movie called Jimmy's Music Club, the movie, which is about Jimmy's uptown on Willow Street. I yeah, think. Jimmy, Jimmy, Anselmo, Jimmy, Jimmy Anselmo often calls the show. I found some footage of the cold covering Petula Clark's downtown. Oh, cool. Now, I don't think we have the rights to play this on the radio okay. because I don't I don't know what the uh, what, what do you call it? Where this came from exactly. I don't know who owns the rights to this. Uh, but it's out there. Uh, I wish we could play that for you, but okay. uh, it does exist. It's cool. And I'll give you two more really quick ones. You don't have to respond in depth to these, but I'll just chuck them in. Not really sure what was going on with Scoot. Obviously, he said that people stopped dancing after the disco era and didn't start dancing again until 84. Not sure where he was, what he was doing, but in the early 80s, say 83, we were having dance battles every day at school. This was when breakdancing was a thing. Well, by 83, 82, 83, it started to pick up again. But, you know, with the exception of, of, of country music and urban cowboy, there was a void with dancing. And the same people who were dancing to disco were not dancing anymore. And that that music of the 80s that started in 82 and 83, yes, that uh, that started the, the dancing trend again. I'm glad that last caller brought up Jason Kelsey. Here's a text message that said, supposedly Kelsey's brother, Jason, caused that scene where he rips off his shirt and he's chugging the beer in order to take the heat off of Taylor. Mission accomplished. Taylor was getting so much negativity thrown at her. It was all about him and not Taylor that, that night. That was interesting. Like he, like he took a bullet for her. Yeah. You know, he, he a, tried to a, distract. A media bullet. Yeah. I understand. Look, I, I know I, I, I'm just so interested that, that people think that uh, Taylor Swift is somehow taking something away from the game. She's not. They're, they're showing her the same time they would show somebody else. And they constantly talk about her mother's there, um, Patrick Mahomes' wife is there, uh, dad's there. I mean, so, like, there's a, there's a lot of stuff involving the whole family because Taylor Swift had brought all of that attention to, to, the, uh, to the suite. So, I mean, I understand it. Again, it's part of the blog that I wrote. It's on our website, www. WL.com and also on the Scoot on the Air Facebook page. All right, here's a, another classic 80s hit. David Bowie, huge in the uh, 70s, resurrected in the 80s, and this was a song they were playing at all the hot nightclubs, Modern Love. We'll be back on WWL. 
All right, Sports Talk is coming up next. Bobby, Mike, and Steve will uh, talk about the, uh, the uh, playoff games and also the Pelicans Jazz. They're playing tonight. Fog is rolling into downtown New Orleans. I want to thank Diane Newman, Ian Hoke, Chris Miller, Dave Brennan. And as always, I thank you for being part of the show. We'll talk about the results of the New Hampshire primary and other stuff tomorrow afternoon. I'm Scoot on the air. Love you, New Orleans. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.